0: Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Who's the favorite? Who's the favorite in your family? Who's the favorite kid? Who's the favorite aunt, uncle, grandma, grandpa? Who's who's the favorite? Who's your favorite worker? Who's your favorite boss? Who's your favorite baseball player, football player, basketball player? Who's your favorite? Who's your favorite? Who do you love more? In my family of origin, it's very clear who the favorite is. I'm the favorite. Very, very clear. The brightest, the most handsome, the most public, the pastor, the one who winsomely proclaims the gospel, the one who is the spitting image of his father. There's absolutely no question in my mind that I am the favorite in my family, or at very least I should be the favorite In my family it's not really that way but after all my brother is affable and every bit as handsome as I am and has every bit as much responsibility as I have in the school that he leads in South County but poor Andy is the middle child and I think we all can agree that there's no way a middle child could ever be the favorite it just doesn't work out that way I'm just messing with you a little bit on that But my little sister is clearly the favorite in our family, clearly. After two boys who were rough and tumble, along came the little baby girl on October 4th of 1970, and it was clear from that moment on, last night up in Brea with my mom, that my little sister is the favorite, or at least she's treated that way, I, I think. Silly, isn't it? Silly. The dumb question to think about, who's the favorite? Any good mom, any good aunt, any good grandma would always say, I love you all the same. Favorites. Mothers and all of us who grew up in homes with moms, we, we know that conversation, whether it's verbalized and out loud or whether it's just in the back of a child's heart. You know the conversation about how favoritism goes. Why them, not me? Why do you do this for them and not for me? Why did they get this and I get so much less? Why isn't it all equal? Why doesn't it all work out together? Who do you love more? Because the way my sibling is treated, it looks like you love them more than you love me. You're playing favor. Am I a favorite or am I just kind of on the outside looking in at family and am good for cleaning up in the backyard and doing dishes and basically being a servant rather than a child? In our text this morning from Acts chapter 10, we get to talk a little bit about favorites. Peter is at the center of the story Peter, who the rock, it it always takes him a long time to assimilate the conversation in and and figure things out. So previously to coming into the home of Cornelius, Peter had to see three separate times. The Lord coming down with a sheet full of things that no honorable Jewish man would ever eat. Ham sandwiches, bratwurst. Shellfish, all sorts of stuff that a Jewish person would turn their nose up at and go, That stuff's gross and that stuff's unclean. Three times the Lord brought the sheet down. Three times the Lord said to Peter, Kill and eat. And Peter said, You've got to be kidding me. I'm not touching that gross stuff. And then he's led by the Spirit to a house of a man named Cornelius. And it all just kind of sinks up for Peter. He finally gets it. He, he stands up and he says, I've had this bizarre vision of this sheet and this food, and the Lord saying, kill and eat, and I've had it three times, and here I am in the house of a Roman Gentile. And, and now I get it. Now I understand what the Lord is all about. And those words are beautiful as he speaks them for the first time for a man of God to say and for people of God to hear from Acts chapter 10, verse 34 and 35. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. God does not show favoritism. God does not love me more than he loves you or you more than he loves me. I am not more of an insider than you are, and you are no more an insider than I am. We are all beloved of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Peter's group, the Jewish people, because of their history, because of the covenant, because of their pious laws, because of the way they separated themselves out from the other People thought that maybe they were a little bit closer to God, a little bit more favorites of God. And then through this experience, it dawns on Peter that the love of Jesus encapsulates the whole world, not just the frozen chosen or the chosen few. Sometimes we may feel like we're on the outside looking in or even on the inside looking out. Sometimes we feel like a favorite. Sometimes we feel like an also-ran. And wherever you are in your family life is going to be a, a little bit accentuated today as we celebrate homes and families and mothers and grandmas and aunts and sisters and the whole crew gathered together. Who are your favorites? Well, favorites become arrogant and entitled outsiders become broken and lonely favorites get well favors and outsiders get leftovers in families and friendships in classrooms in church wherever people gather together playing favorites isn't supposed to be what it's all about but playing favorites is kind of part of the human condition that we war against so those words of Peter in Cornelius home As the fog moves away from Peter's heart and soul, as he speaks words of inclusion and grace, not empty, hollow words of equity, but words of inclusivity through faith in Jesus Christ. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears Him and does what is right. Peter speaks up and leads a Roman Gentile and his whole household to the cross and to Jesus. It's a sermon he's preached about four times now throughout the book of Acts. He doesn't need a script anymore. It goes back to Acts chapter 2. This Jesus whom you crucified is both Lord and Christ. And instead of taking an offering, he looks at the crew in that home and says, what would prevent them from being baptized with water? and with the water and the spirit he baptizes a roman gentile's household into faith in jesus christ sin is a separator forgiveness is a unifier sin produces insiders and outsiders and insiders then beat up and hold over the outsiders their position but forgiveness brings people together and the death of jesus christ releases us from the guilt and the shame of our sin And calls us to look at ourselves as the beloved of God through faith in Jesus. And also beckons us to look at others through the same lens of forgiveness. And I'm telling you as one who's lived in a family for 57 plus years. Looking at each other through the lens of forgiveness is pretty tough sometimes. Because sometimes I feel like my offenses in family, my words that I use that sometimes cut to the heart and are mean-spirited, well, those are a little easily, more easily forgiven in my mind than are, say, the words of my mom, my brother, my sister, my wife, my children. But to know that the same Jesus who died for me forgives me also forgave those whom I love the most in this world. Brings me into a tension of repentance and grace with them. So that when somebody opens their heart and says, I'm sorry I hurt you, instead of withholding that forgiveness and saying, Well, now I've got you, I'm going to pull your string and manipulate you and use this sin to leverage, rather we can nod our heads and wipe away the tear and say, I forgive you. It's that tension that you feel right now as they even speak of those things. That's what makes for a family that's close the ability to look at one another not as favorites or outsiders, but to look at one another as those who are redeemed of Jesus Christ. For as certainly as God would take away my sin, so He would take away the offenses of those who have harmed me. There is in Christ nothing that would keep us from loving one another in a vulnerable heart-to-heart way. For the death of Jesus Himself seals the equality of humanity under the grace of the Lord Jesus. And quite honestly, it's not really about what we think of other people or what we feel about ourselves or other people. Peter leads us back to that which is objective and outside of us. He leads us back to the cross, to Jesus, to the resurrection, and to the forgiveness of sins that is ours and for all humanity. And that affects how we look at the world and how we live with one another. I love that passage. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears Him and does what is right. Amen. That's how it works. That's how we look at the world. And that's how the world is struggling to look at itself right now. The world is so busy chopping itself up into little blocks of, of voting and power cells that they've lost the sense that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from nation, every nation, the one who fears Him and does what is right. And so if you look in concentric circles, it starts right here with you and me. How do we view ourselves? We look at one another and in our families as united and living in in the reconciliation and the love of Jesus. For Christian families represented here today and represented across the world. We are the beloved of God. And at the core of our family relationships is the good news of Jesus Christ. And so that gospel leads us beyond old slights and old insults. Leads us beyond old offenses. And leads us to love one another with a vulnerable, dangerous, open love. Exactly the way that the Lord Jesus loves us. And that grace in our families leads us to resiliency in our relationships Christian families are able to forgive and push forward in a way that other people can't do. People hold on and hold on and hold on to sin and break and fracture a family. But God's grace leads us to a resiliency in our families that draws us together. The vulnerable moments of repentance and forgiveness among husbands and wives, brothers and sisters, moms and dads. It's those vulnerable moments of which we all have those vignettes in our lives. It's those that lead us to strength, to find value in one another, to lift up one another as those who have been forgiven of God, and also forgiveness being a core value in how we connect to one another in our families. It all starts with strong, vibrant families. And the church. The church of Jesus Christ is not a political action committee called the vote in one singular block. The church is called, like Peter calls in Acts chapter 10, to live out the gospel in the world. Our highest value is on Jesus and His love for humanity. The church is not about gathering people who all kind of look the same, eat the same food, speak the same language, have the same skin tones, come from the same country, If indeed that were the case, then the Lutherans would be the most successful. A Pew survey showed in 2015 that the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America at 96% Anglo was the single whitest denomination in North America, followed closely by the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, which is 95% Anglo nationwide. The call of the church is not the call to that kind of homogeneity, The church is the voice and the breath of Jesus in the world. So the church speaks the gospel and breathes out unity and grace. Our church, St. John's, not playing favorites, but being called to all people in Orange County and beyond, loving and caring by God's grace, pursuing that commission of Jesus in our own neighborhoods, through our own connections and love for people. I believe that Orange County should be a better place because St. John's Lutheran Church sits at the very heart of the county and takes very seriously the call to impact diverse communities with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The family, the church, and the nation. When families and churches are strong, the nation finds a sense of equilibrium George Patton famously said, defensive fortifications are monuments to the stupidity of mankind. The church needs to stop playing defense and backing off the message because the message may be perceived as offensive. Peter is standing in territory that is unbounded here in Acts chapter 10. He's standing in the home of a prominent civic leader who religiously at the beginning of that day who ethnically at the beginning of that day has almost nothing in common with him but after he's done speaking leading and baptizing the whole community is knit together through the gospel of Jesus Christ in our nation at this time the church needs to speak unequivocally the gospel of Jesus Christ the one the one piece that can draw people groups together because it's true that our God who sent His Son to die for all of humanity does not play favorites but accepts people from all the world as He chose us, so too He chooses the world. And so family and church and nation. Any good mom knows that you never say, you're right, I love your sister more than you. Last night at a little Mexican restaurant in Brea, my mom would never cave in. She teased us, she messed with us. At the end of the night, my brother, sister, and I all felt deeply and dearly loved. At 80 years old, mom still had the effort The impetus and the grace to say, I love you. My heart sometimes says, well, Joy gets all the love. She gets all the time. She's probably going to get all the inheritance. It's all going to end up with her. Mom takes a deep breath. And those of you who know my mom can smile and giggle under your masks Mom takes a deep breath when asked about favorites and who she loves the most. And she says, I love you like Jesus loves you. With all my heart for all my children forever and ever. Homes and families, church and region, nation and world all united in a vision through the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, be with us in our homes and families this day and always, and Happy Mother's Day to all of uh, us who celebrate with our wives and children, and Happy Mother's Day to all who remember their moms today. And I pray that your homes and families are places of grace and peace. In the name of Jesus. Oh,